chaos comes, it's a chance to be initiated. You know, thinking that the United States and its ideas in church have come closest to reflecting reality is like thinking Iceland is the basketball capital of the world. It's actually a psychological disorder. F-O-M-O. Fear of missing out. When a man becomes who he was made to be by God, every day is adventure. Guys, welcome back to the Ensigns Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Blaine. And we are Eldridge's. I just learned that Sam is not willing to drive me across the state when I asked him to. So if you I have other things to do today. Feel undercurrents of tension in the studio. In the first five minutes, that's why. <laughs> so when we do these breakout sessions at our events, um, we have all the young guys come and sit in the room and be like, okay, everything that Ransom Heart is about, everything that you've heard this weekend at a Wild at Heart boot camp of you have a masculine soul and, and God cares about your heart and there's a larger story going on. You're not just thrown in the chaos, like let's get oriented. What's the gospel about and who are you? What are you meant to do? All of that's good and real and so helpful. And there's an and, because we have to pull in like the 20 something guys and say, there are a few categories that you might want to think about that are affecting you. And it's your world. It's the, the tone of the culture. It's all of these things. We like just spend a little bit more time to go, here are some specifics for you. Well, that's kind of the Ensigns podcast. I mean, we're at episode 126, I think. Um, and we do that here. But one of the big pieces that we offer the guys is this, we assume they are lonely. And when we say that, there's like this kind of dark chuckle that runs through the room of like, obviously, why are you telling me this? Like, I know that I'm lonely. Um, and part of that is because we have the culture of social pornography with social media and Instagram and all of these images being put out there of like, all of your old college friends are still friends and they're all laughing and they're on vacation together and you are in your crappy job. And it's like, we see that all the time, regardless of how true that message is. And that compounds this feeling of loneliness. As an interesting aside, there's been some studies done on loneliness. Um, I recommend you guys go check out Kyrgyzstats. It's a YouTube channel. They did one on it. And it is as bad for your health as smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. It has that much effect on your life expectancy and what? on other diseases being totally isolated. So isolation, loneliness, these are like massive categories. But aside from the social piece that is influencing loneliness, another huge piece is if you are going to be taking your journey with God and your journey with your heart and your journey as a man seriously, especially at a younger age, you are probably going to be the only one at first in your world that's doing that. And that can be really, really hard. Um, it can make you feel like it's not worth it. I, I don't know how many emails I've gotten of people being like, I want community. <sighs> and I get it. I, it has to be named, right? Like if you're going to take this seriously, things are going to be lonely for a while. And there may eventually be one or two other guys in your world and that it'll, that will be so precious. They won't look like you want them to look at first. We throw that out there as well. There's some older guys on the team who have been working on their friendship for 
uh, over a decade. But we look at their friendship now. We don't look at the decade plus that they've been putting into it. We say, oh, well, I want that. And we kind of go, well, that comes with a lot of wrestling and disappointment and disillusionment and really like this commitment to each other to not give up at year two or five or 15 when things aren't looking the way you want them to look. And so this is this piece that we throw out there and is part of the conversation today as we talk about the community that we're a part of outside of a ministry, as we talk about why community is important. And we've touched on this before, but not this way. Uh, I don't even want to talk about this. If I'm <laughs> <laughs> Really? Why not? I just think my you know, initial, initial response when we landed on this topic was, oh, do we have to spend time in addition to experiencing loneliness, contemplating loneliness? Okay, sure, fine. Uh, the first thing that I would actually recommend to um, someone interested in understanding their own experience of loneliness would be to go listen to the Ransom Tart podcast series on envy and uh, to to understand a little bit more of why is your community, why are even your close friendships at best only partially addressing your experience of loneliness? Because connection has like multiple layers, right? We're going to start pushing into this. And one of the layers that you and I were talking about earlier this week is uh, this connection between glory and weight. And even, even those two terms in both Hebrew and Greek share significance that to be glorious is to be weighty. Weight and glory go together. If you've read enough C.S. Lewis, you've definitely read his essay on the weight of glory. And there is just kind of this reality that whatever you carry in the image of God is cumbersome. It's like a quality of the gifting that Jesus has shared with you. And people are actually meant to bear it with you. And they're meant to do that by being witnesses. And they're meant to do that by celebrating. So that actually sort of the cumbersomeness of like your your glory, whatever it is, uh, gets distributed onto people and sort of this, okay, so what do you do in view of the fact that that's not happening? That actually the people who should be carrying it with you uh, are envying you or that actually all of the glory you carry challenges what people believe about God because God's generosity is one of the most provocative things about him is lack of fairness. And if you start experiencing freedom by accepting a lifestyle like unto companionship with Jesus, people oh, will be mad at God. All the hatred that you're going to incur. Oh my gosh. I'm tell, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's ultimately not about you, right? They're not like no, you but suck you're a as great a person. Object. Oh yeah. And well, think about that. Like just spend a little time. You are experiencing scandalous joy from a vacation. How many people in your world are actually skilled at stopping what they're doing, listening and celebrating with you when you want to share it? How many people don't shift to 
their story of how terrible their vacation was. Or under the surface, like across their face, you can see just these undercurrents of irritation and envy. And and there's this, they wish that they had that. And all of a sudden, like you become the person who like we became, we stopped talking about our vacations. Like we'd be around a lot of people and it was like, how was your, how was this? How was your trip? We're like, it was okay. It was good. And they're like, well, what did you do? Like, well, we went to the mountains and we saw a moose and it was really cool. And they're like, wow. And we know that we can't be witnessed to, we can't actually enjoy the fullness of like what we are supposed to experience in life by having these people celebrate with us and see like, I see this, I see your glory because they're going to go, I want to burn your house to the ground and God does not love me. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Because not everybody, know, not everybody, not everybody, not everybody, long, there's a long pause there because not everybody, but, a, but a lot of people. I'm just aware also of Jesus's way is to raise the stakes. I'm <laughs> like, he is not someone who lowers the stakes. And so if, we, if you go loneliness, I think that you will be surprised to discover that the first thing that happens is that uh, if you want understanding of your own heart, Jesus will intensify your experience of loneliness. Um, you want to talk about envy. Here's a shocking thing that I've recently become aware of. The concept of a mirror, right? That the way that we see ourselves is in one another. The reality that when humans are created, when they enter the scene, they're singular human that exist in two forms. They're a unity that exists through, I'm going to use the word duality, uh, but they're a unity that exists through the multiple. Um, and, and everything about us uh, exists in relationships. So, I mean, here's like an appalling thing. Um, you know, part of your loneliness or, you know, part of your, let's say your confusion about, you know, let's say you don't feel like you understand your giftedness very well. Did you know that the people around you are very aware of your giftedness and are not telling you what it is? I, oh my gosh. Someone's going, Sam and Blaine are just like massively biased against other human beings. But that's true. Here's why. Your gifting is going to seem like things that are just very obvious. They're going to think, they're going to seem like, well, everybody can be this welcoming, but everybody can see that moment. What I just saw that thing that I just offered, they're going to feel like anybody could do it. And that's what makes it your gifting is there's this ease. There's this, this freedom. It doesn't feel like a cost. And so you may not be noticing it, but other people are going to be noticing it. And they're going to be like, wow, he just, he just said that so well, or they just create like this welcoming space what seems so effortlessly, but if I were to say, and this is just like the broken first reaction, when I go to, wow, you are such a phenomenal host. Thank you for having us in your home. I am also thinking about all of the ways that I have failed at that, that I am not a good host, that I have not invited people into my home, that I, 
because the enemy wants to stop that. They want to shut it down, wants to have me not extend the compliment, or if I do, wants to condemn me for not being the same. And so I don't say it because it's a lot easier for me to like not focus at your glory because sometimes your glory will actually make me feel worse. That's why, no, so Sam and Blaine are not like super biased against other human beings, except sometimes <laughs> there's, I just want to be like, there are people who have been walking closely with God and there are many, 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 many of them, thank God, who, who are not going to fall into that category, who are going to be the people who are champions of your glory, who are going to say like, I see this and that's amazing. And you want to find those people <laughs> because though there are many of them, like that's not, that's not the baseline for broken humanity. It's very significant where I don't know that I've ever had a conversation that went this way, but picture this. Someone comes to you and with genuine grief goes, wow, your perception of people is so deep and unique. That must be so cumbersome to carry. Like crediting that it is and it's you and it's outside of you and acknowledging like, wow, what must that be like? No, I mean, it's never, that would never have happened. It's never happened to me. Oh. The closest people get would be you have that gift. Why don't you do it more? Oh my gosh. So uh, loneliness observation number one, Eden is far behind us. Humans exist in a state of agony, wondering if God's heart for them is good. The gifting we see in other people raises that question to us and goes, what are you like I mentioned recently reading through Ecclesiastes, and I just love it. I, I can see Solomon, younger Solomon, beginning to work this through with someone. Because you, know, you get the musings of an old king. and Blaine's actually a little running uh, comedy skit for Ecclesiastes. <laughs> like, this is all of the things. This that, is all the Proverbs. <laughs> that he muttered under his breath after the proverb that his scribe was like catching. Oh, exactly. It's, you know delight in the wife of your youth because she dies and everything turns to dust. Describe, what? what? <laughs> sorry, just, I'm sorry. <laughs> I missed that last part. Um, but you hear in Ecclesiastes the author going, what is this God like? And I, what, I picture him talking to his friends and go like, great kings come and they die and they come and they die. They get riches and they leave it to foolish children and it goes and it goes and it goes. There are flowers that exist uh, packed full of like more seeds than they would ever need to populate multiple earths and then they wither. What is this God like? What are you like? In the final verses, you get this honor God, love him. What might seem like it comes late to the game, but this kind of listen, people, I think you can trust this being and everything in your experience is going to present you with that question, like, is God good? What is he like? Your glory challenges people, and therefore they are unwilling to carry it with you. So what do you do in view of that fact? Like, how do you handle the difficulty of that? 
Next piece, this one I would sort of name like, why forgiveness is hard, but important. And <laughs> can I just summarize it in a sentence? Yeah, go ahead. Dan Allender once told me to not forgive someone is to leave your heart bound in darkness to theirs. Ugh. Okay, so third point. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, forgive it like it's a hot tamale, man. For, uh, forgive, forgive, forgive. Again, the centrality of Jesus of like how, why relationship apart from God seems utterly impossible. Impossible, impossible to me is to go. I actually understand in part what my sin costs the people around me. And it's really startling if you don't have anywhere to go with it. Um, and, and I understand what the sin of my friends costs me. And that would be very difficult if I had nowhere to go with it. And so, you know, someone who you really rely on goes through a season where they're just wrestling with God such that they're not available. Or maybe they just go straight off the deep end and go, <laughs> that actually costs you significantly. And if the cross of Jesus, if God actually coming in, um, entering your darkness is not an option. I just don't know how you possibly grapple with that or with your own feeling of indebtedness to people apart from going like, uh, thank you for covering this. Like, how would you relate? People in processness is contributing to your loneliness. The narcissism of your friends, their resentment, their refusal to play the role that Jesus is inviting them to play, all that complicates your life. And what allows you to forgive that? I'm actually asking. I mean, I don't want my heart bound in darkness to theirs. What allows me to forgive it? One, there's some mercy for it not happening right away because it usually takes me a little while to be like, oh, like I'm just really enjoying being irritated with this person. Maybe I should do something about that. Two, there's been some really great teachings on like Jesus was enough for them and enough for their brokenness and to, I don't actually have to e extract or demand an additional cost. I mean, just go back and read that parable again with like the servant who was forgiven and then turns around and demands payment. It does not go well. And that is that like, that's Jesus telling us like, I have forgiven you everything. How dare you hold a single thing against another? Right? It feels really good. It feels really justified. And it gets way more uh, entangled in our being when it comes to trauma. Um, but when it comes to our friends, it's like, oh gosh, you're so disappointing. Okay. Okay. I need to like, I need to forgive you for these things. And probably 99% of the time, never tell them that I've forgiven them because I find that to be really obnoxious when someone comes and this has happened a couple of times. They're like, I just have had to forgive you for the ways that you failed me as a friend. And you're like, crap, man. Like now I definitely don't want to be around oh you. Oh my gosh, <laughs> right. 
go. Thank I, you for forgiving me. I, I just forgive wanted to you. confess to you. I've been really resenting Ooh, you. The confessing thing. That's that just confessing. It's very different than saying you've worked through it. <laughs> you got like, um, I forgive you back. <laughs> I forgive you. Now let's just hold off for the the kingdom. What do you say? So forgiveness huge piece because you're going to be bumping into each other all the time. And I think we can try and justify it as like iron sharpening iron. And it's like, oh, no, you're just broken and your brokenness is bumping into their brokenness and you need lots of forgiveness. And sometimes it's like sharpening each other, but that's in a very committed context. Um, another category. I don't know if we're up to number four now. Um, three or four. I think it's number three. Susie and I will talk all the time like about how we are uncomfortable with how difficult community actually is. We say we want this thing. Everybody, I don't know. It's like this cultural, like we're kind of into it. We're into our tribe. We're into our community. We want our people. And this is like a message that's getting played. And it's, it's true. We do. We do need our tribe. We do need our people. Um, and I think I'm, I'm surprised at often myself for how much easier I wish it was or how much I wish it looked like the thing that I wanted it to look like or how when a a new person joins, I'm like, but now it's changed. It's not the way it was before or you don't look like I expect you to look like. I I love, Morgan will talk about um, mentoring and just how he's learned to be open to it coming from any source that God will use an old lady's secondhand comment in an archery shop to mentor him. And he's just, he has this very thirsty, like heart for words. And so when it happens, he's like, Whoa, this lady missing her teeth totally mentored me. And you're like, that's amazing, Morgan. The rest of us would have missed that. And I think that gives him a posture that I could often use when I'm like, okay, I'm in community, but like, you're really weird and you're totally obnoxious and you like are here, but you're so mad. Oh no, wait, now I'm talking about myself. Like how many times I've gone and been like, I am so pissed that I'm here. Or how many times I've tried to say no to things, but then I feel like the Holy Spirit's been like, no, you don't get to say no because this is hard and it's not going to just be easy from the outset. Enter into it. And Often there are really good lessons and sometimes really great interactions, but not all the time. It doesn't have to be like we had a meal group and we went to this small thing and we came afterwards and we were like, everybody was flying high. Wasn't that amazing? There's this kind of, I want to like name this so that it doesn't take you out. You were not going to be satisfied this side of heaven by probably anything. And when you feel dissatisfied with community, don't like let that freak you out because it's it's pointing you towards Jesus. We are moving towards Jesus. We're moving towards satisfaction. And I just, I don't know. There, there are moments, but they're moments, you guys. For me, this is what complicates the issue, that the world names community, like the people with whom you share interests. Um, The kingdom calls community the people you find yourself called to 
as a consequence of loving Jesus. And in view of that, like, oh, there's just a, I like, I just laugh when, you know, you see a newspaper thing that goes, mountain biking community of the Springs moves to renovate trails. And I go, yeah. To make that accurate, let's just take out the word community and go, the mountain bikers of the Springs are moving to renovate trails and go, that is for sure a group of some sort. And they might establish lasting relationships in that. A community in a historical sense was deeply arbitrary, uh, that was aligned because they happened to share resources and they were sort of, in the familial sense, compelled into reconciliation by living in one place, needing to get over uh, like repeated differences in order to manage the common thing they were entrusted with and go, oh my gosh, look at the apostles, look at Paul, how often he writes, I wish that I could come myself. I wish that I could be with you. I wish that I could have stayed with you. Almost every letter. And then there's this, but, but for the kingdom. And so there are these simultaneous realities of, uh, we have God as father. That means we have a family. And that means that like the people who are currently in your life might just be a portrayal of the eternal reality that God will provide family to you in the daily bread sense. Uh, It's also true that this is war people and the apostles were usually alone going place to place, like compelled by what they loved about Jesus and what they were growing with in him to leave people they would have rather stayed with and sort of venture off on their own. And so there's kind of a, what do you, what do I do with my desire to have lifelong relationships right now and go, yeah, what do I do with that desire? Because they may be lifelong in one sense, but also they will be assigned elsewhere and sent away. It will be partial. Yeah. And this is where some, some of our philosophies and worldviews begin to overlap. And I'm going to begin by saying we believe that we get way too much information and it taxes our empathy far beyond it should be every day. So you're getting, you're being made aware of all of the tragedies that are going on worldwide. You're being made aware of just the utter brokenness of people and it's taxing your empathy so that when you are trying to engage your neighbor or the homeless in your area, or the fact that your church all looks the same, and these things that are like really making your gut feel super uncomfortable, and you're like, oh, right, community is the people around me. I do have a hard time with that C.S. Lewis mentality of like, that's an eternal being next door, but I'm this irritated their dog pooped on my yard. Like, I'm not going to have the ability or the empathy to move in the actual waters I can be in if I'm too focused on the fact that like a train just blew up halfway around the world. And so that's where some of our worldviews overlap and go, tone that down, turn down the volume of the outside larger world that actually isn't helpful so that then you have the heart space and the maturity and the empathy to engage your world and engage your community and go, yeah, I get it. What I would like is a bunch of guys who all think the same way and like the same things to be drinking beer in my garage. And then I wouldn't do anything else. That sounds great. That sounds so nice. 
Hobbiton. Doesn't sound uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Let's just all go to the Green Dragon and like dance. <laughs> Sounds perfect. And I don't think that's what community is anymore. And I don't think that's what we're called to be doing anymore. And I'm aware that if we try to operate with that, like, be empathetic to everything, we're also going to mishandle who we think our community is because we're going to try and make it, we're going to swing between the two opposites. We're going to be like super isolated because it's uncomfortable. And then we're going to try and be like everything for everybody. And like neither one of those is good or sustainable. And if you're managing yourself well, you're going to know the Holy Spirit's calling you to be really going after your neighbors right now. And that means your literal neighbors or it's your church all looks the same and votes the same. And maybe now is the time for you to take a season, literally the fall, and be attending a church where you are the odd one out. And that's going to be really good because you're part of the same freaking family. And you can have that green dragon hobbiton experience with them in the kingdom. You can have some of that now, but it's going to be uncomfortable. And so this is where, that's why I preface that with that whole, like, I feel taxed emotionally but all I've done has been on my phone. And then I roll up to the stoplight and there's a homeless person and I'm like, this is awkward. Do we want to like look at you because you make me feel bad? Um, but I know you're a person and I know God died for you too. So, um, oh, the light's green. Thank God. <laughs> what a dilemma to say you cannot be us. You cannot pay attention simultaneously to the suffering of a bus of children in Bangladesh and a person who you live near whose cat died. Who will you pick? And why will you pick them? Uh, and I kind of go like... Uh, and then go back and listen to the Spheres of Influence podcast we did. Oh, dear. What will it take you to actually give the suffering of the world over to God? Uh and to recognize, like, <laughs> uh, actually how much escape, look at your motives, is available in feeling deep care for far-off things. That costs you a great deal in one sense, and in another sense it costs you nothing. Returning to loneliness and introducing the concept the, of tending it's time for our gardening metaphors here, Dan Sons, and go, okay, let's, let's swing the loneliness back around to this interesting thing of having a self uh, that's not exactly singular, like having a self that bears a glory, but a glory that's derivative. So say that again. Like, what do you do with yourself? And what do you do with the fact that you are wonderful at remembering names or wonderful at hosting or actually uh, you, you've traveled a lot and people seem to like you or you're a painter. Like you carry a glory that is both your glory, but it's external to you, right? It's something that has been set on you. Um, and you are meant, you are built to be suffered with, uh, to have like the weight of your suffering distributed onto witnesses. You're meant to have the weight of your glory distributed onto witnesses, primarily through like affirmation and celebration and acknowledgement that it's heavy. Without those things, what do you do to be 
like attentive to yourself. A mentor figure was just asking me these questions and I'm passing them on in real time of, here's what I will be practicing is like kind of what does it look like? Um, can you witness your own glory in a way that is both like acknowledging and and sort of holding out there is like, yeah, mine and not mine. And Jesus, like it's everything like to invite him in. It's so good because the alternative is that we just wait for others to carry it or acknowledge it. And maybe some of that will happen, but that, that feels like just putting a part of your heart out on the weather vane and hoping that it's going to be okay. It's just not the same thing as tending to or being aware of cultivating, shepherding. Like you can do a lot of that for yourself and you should, you should be aware. You should have this balance. It should be, it should be good. And we do need others. That's really good, Blaine. Well, there's like the, this, here's the conclusion of the gardening metaphor is like there are things, picture you have a garden and you plant seeds. You can't make them grow, but you can be attentive to them. The other thing you can do is you can take out things. And so you have a self that's lonely. You can be attentive to yourself. Like you can name your losses and invite God in. You can name your glories and invite God in. And then you can take out things that are actively <laughs> suffocating your soul. You can scale down or, you know, turn down relationships that are actually really unhelpful to you and hobbies. And, you know, we always say that the lowest hanging fruit is social media and the news of like, if you want, you know, magic wand for the soul, maybe as close as we have. Um, and then kind of a, oh, another thing taking out, forgiveness is a great act of taking out resentment. And like, I know that people like being around me more, though I, though I haven't told them that I've forgiven them. But when I've actively worked through a kind of forgiveness and like, and a kind of releasing of, yeah, you've made my life a little bit more difficult and I've been forgiven much and yet Jesus has borne with me. And that makes me want to do it for you and go, it's fine, forgive, release, and then don't expect you to be perfect. Like one of the best text messages I ever got, I was supposed to go fly fishing with a guy who was interested. And I had a canoe, and I was going to take him down this section of river. And you could tell that for him, it was cool. Uh, for me, I, I just hit the point where I just had to cancel. I was so overwhelmed. And it was like, I'm like, hey, I'm really sorry. Um, sorry to disappoint. Um, and he, his text back was <laughs> like, who are you disappointing? And I went, you. And he went, oh, this is literally a text. <laughs> uh I expect Jesus to be perfect, so you don't have to uh, try to play that or fear my disappointment. It's okay. And so these people do exist. Out these there. people do exist. And like, they're very rare. How much more do I want to keep relating with that person? With go like, right. oh, you're not going to hold it over me. Oh wait, I could extend that same compassion to other people, and then they'll actually enjoy me more. Yeah, it's so good. So. This podcast has equal parts. How do you manage your loneliness? And what are some things that are going on to address that loneliness, isolation, 
the tending piece to your glory and part community, part things that are actually helpful and postures that are going to be shaping us. I forget who said it. I always attribute it to Chesterton, but it's not. And so I'll just pretend like it is for now. Like beware the solitary man, like beware this that's where heresies come from when you wander off into the wilderness on your own. And believe me, I have fantasized about it. I have fantasized about buying the sailboat and just disappearing, being like, I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm done with the pain that it causes. I'm done with the discomfort. I'm done with that longing. I'm just going to shelve that until later. And it isn't okay. It doesn't work. Like I, that's that's me trying to find Eden right now. I still look at sailboats occasionally on Craigslist because I love this thing. But I, total abandonment of that dream for being difficult or human beings being difficult isn't okay, isn't the answer. There, there are contexts that I do want to put out there that are unsafe or harmful and yes, get out of those. The charge of this episode isn't like deal with it and love where you are. Like there, you are meant to walk with God in wisdom and revelation. And so do that and manage your heart, manage this isolation, this loneliness. Like that's okay. It's okay to feel that longing. <laughs>